was astonished at the draft of fishes which they had taken, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men alive. When they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. They left their boats, left everything, they forsook all, followed him came to pass that when he was in a certain city, a man full, full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man to go and show himself to the priest and offer for his cleansing that which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. But he went out into the wilderness to pray. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word radio Bible study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just a short note to let you know that The Unchanging Word has placed an outline of Dr. Mitchell's notes for the book of Luke on our website. Now, the first six chapters are free for download at the unchangingword.life. That's unchangingword.life. And our study in the Gospel of Luke continues in chapter 5, verse 9, where Dr. Mitchell briefly overviews the previous few verses where Jesus directed the large catch of fish and called the disciples to follow him. Now, in our passage before us, Luke presents Jesus healing a man who had a full case of leprosy. Now, the man was not in doubt as to the power of Jesus to heal, but he does have doubt that Jesus would heal. So it's not a matter of could Jesus heal him, but would Jesus heal him? Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 9 with Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast. We come again to our studies in the Gospel through Luke, and I have to confess to you it's very difficult for me not to pass over some of these simple truths as we go along in these wonderful instances which Luke has written concerning our Lord's power over disease, his power over the powers of darkness, his power over men, his power over nature. We've been dealing in our last lesson the question of, of this draft of a multitude of fish in, cha- in Luke chapter 5. How God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had told the disciples to launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a draft. His word carried with it a promise. 
a guarantee that they would catch some fish. And then you have Peter relinquishing his position as the captain of his own boat and recognizing Jesus Christ as the one who was master and captain. And he, though they'd fished all night and caught nothing, you could say, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets for a draft. And the result was a great draft of fishes, which called for the cooperation of, his, of James and John, who were in the other boat. See, there's a harvest to be gathered in, and the laborers are few. I'm thinking of Matthew chapter 9, the end of the chapter, where the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will trust both laborers into his harvest. There's a harvest to be gathered in, but the laborers are few. And it's only gathered in as we are obedient to his word. This is what we have here. Now the, the manifestation of the Lord's person and of his power brought dear Peter to his knees in confessing. And he confessed his own sinfulness. Now I repeat what I said in our last lesson. The more we see Jesus Christ in his wonderful character and heart, while we see our real condition before God. And we were mentioning the fact of how Job and Isaiah, Daniel and Paul, the woman of Samaria, how they, when they saw the Lord and how their sinful condition was manifested, not one of them ran away. Indeed, I'm sure that dear Peter was on his knees with his arms around the Savior. And remember, they were still in the boat. They were still on the lake. And oh, Peter said, Lord, depart from me. You wouldn't expect the Lord to leave Peter with that, would you? Of course not. He's not going to run away from you either. In fact, who can save you but the Savior? I'm reminded of a, a little statement made by one of the old church fathers called Fenelon, F-E-N-E-L-I-N. Fenelon was a very, very godly man. One time, some of the students of his hid in the in the drapes of his room. And he came in, not knowing they were there, and he came down in the presence of the Lord at a season of prayer, and they heard him make this statement, O Lord, take my heart, but I cannot give it. And when you have it, keep it, but I cannot keep it for thee, and save me in spite of myself. Ah, there it is. The more you see the beauty of Christ, the more you see your own defilement. And yet you don't run away because he is the only one who can cleanse you from defilement. He's the only one who can cleanse you from your sin. Now we come to verses 10 and 11, and here we have the call. Remember he was astonished, verse 9, at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men, or as the reply says, thou shalt catch men alive. When they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. Uh, here now is the call for men. Catch men alive. Now you remember in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4, Verses 18 to 22, you have where the Lord Jesus said he found James, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John uh, washing the nets, and he just said to them, follow me. 
and I will make you to become fishers of men. But this is a different, I think this is a different situation here. They had seen his manifestation of power over nature. They'd seen something of the majesty of his person, of his authority. And now he calls to them. Now remember, they're commercial fishermen. All right, I'm going to ask you to leave your job as commercial fishermen and come with me, accompany me, follow me. Come on along with me. You'll catch something more than fish. You'll catch men alive. Notice the first words were, fear not, fear not. This is said especially to Peter. Peter just said, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a wicked man. Fear not. Don't have any fear. Even though you're a sinful man, you're in the presence of the one who can cleanse you from all sin and give you real peace. I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing to come in the presence of Jesus Christ, God's wonderful Son. Recognize that he came for the express purpose to put away your sin and my sin for the sacrifice of himself. And the very first thing he says to anybody who comes is fear not. Or, as John 20 says, peace be unto you. How often he removes fear from us. That's what Paul means in Romans 5, 1. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a challenge here is, catch men alive. What a privilege. Ah, but what a responsibility. To be his followers. Now change the word. He asks these men to accompany him, to follow along with him, not trailing a few yards behind him, but of following along with him, accompany him. Now read, they left their boats, left everything, they forsook all, followed him. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left their fish. Where he went, they went. What about us? What place does the Lord have in your life and my life? Now I know that when a fisherman catches fish, he likes to take his fish home and kind of crow about it, no matter how long it is. But he likes to catch fish and show what he's caught. Now these men caught a great draft of fishes. They didn't say to the crowd, come on, see all the fish we caught. No, they forgot the crowd. They followed him. He now became the center of their affections, of their devotion, of their love. Friend, is Jesus Christ the object of your love, your devotion? You know, I was asked by mail not too long ago, uh, would I give a very simple definition of what a real disciple of Jesus is? And I, I wrote back and said, my personal definition of a disciple is this, very simple. A New Testament disciple is one who has real love and affection for the Savior and is obedient to his word. Obedience characterizes discipleship. No questions asked when he speaks calls for obedience. And one must stay in the word of God to find out what he wants us to do. And one must walk in fellowship with the Lord so we know something of the heart, the yearning of our Savior for men and women. I repeat it again, there's a harvest to be gathered in, but the laborers are few. And as Jesus saw the great multitude who had come to him, and he taught them from the boat, likewise, he wanted these men to accompany him. 
and take part in this wonderful task, catching men alive. In other words, to take men for God. May I go back to what I said a while ago? Our Lord went into an empty ship and he brought it back full. And God can take your empty life and my empty life, if they're empty, and he can fill them with his presence. He can fill our minds and hearts with his word. He can fill us with a compassion and tenderness for lost men and women. Indeed, we can become his channel to display and to communicate wonderful truth as it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just pass this on to you. And where he went, they went. What about us? Are you going to accompany the Lord Jesus today in your life? Is he going to take his rightful place in your affection and your devotion? May God grant that be true of you and of me. Now shall we take the next little story in the passage from verses 12 to 15. We have our Lord cleansing lepers. And we have something else. Not only power over disease, but he has a new one, leprosy. Now, in leprosy, we see the defilement, the corruption that is caused by sin. Now, notice these words. It came to pass that when he was in a certain city, a man full, full of, lep of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show himself to the priest and offer for his cleansing that which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Here is the Lord cleansing a man who was full of leprosy. I take it that this leprosy was possibly in the last stages. This man was full of leprosy. And yet he came to Jesus. Now he had no right to do that according to the law. He should have cried out when anybody got near him, unclean, unclean. But for some reason he had heard about Jesus. This man... Jesus of Nazareth, who was casting out demons, and he was healing the sick, and he was feeding the hungry, and so on. He could cleanse lepers. As I said a while ago, in leprosy we see the defilement caused by sin. I want to tell you, my friend, you can be full of sin, but Jesus is the only one who can cleanse you from it. You notice you don't read of the Lord healing lepers. The Lord always cleansed lepers. The Lord cleanses sinners. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He finished the job, made the provision. What for? To cleanse men from sin. You might say to me, Mr. Mitchell, I've lived such a sinful life. My whole life is fouled up. I'm just absolutely fouled because of sin. Ashamed of what I've done. I see no way out. I've gone too far. No friend, you haven't. You haven't. This man is full of leprosy. Now notice what he said to Jesus. 
If you want to, you can make me clean. Now look at that. This man did not question the Lord's power to cleanse him. Did you notice that? If you want to, you can make me clean. You've got the authority and the power to make me clean. The question is not in this man's mouth, mind, can Jesus cleanse me? The question in his mind is, is Jesus willing to cleanse him? You know, I, I've met people say to me, why, well, Mr. Mitchell, I'm too much of a sinner. Oh, I'm too bad. I'm too far gone. They don't question the fact that Jesus died to put away sin. They don't question the fact that God can save other men and other women. Oh, yes, I can see how God can save you. I, I, I remember dealing with a woman, and, and she said, Mr. Mitchell, I can understand. I can see how God could save a man like you. I think you mentioned some other people, questions that I knew, she knew. I can understand how God can save them. But me, I, God couldn't save me. Do you question that God can save you? Oh, no, God can save me. But will he? Will he? Will he save me? Does he love me enough to save me? Is he willing to save me? May I remind you that Jesus said to his enemies one day, you do search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. He has taught them that in him was life. But they wouldn't come to him. Friend, may I say very frankly to you, the Lord has made provision for you to be cleansed from every sin. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think you've done or haven't done. You can't do anything to save yourself. As far as this man was concerned, he was full of leprosy. He was incurable. A terminal case. But notice he said, Jesus, you have the power to cleanse me. Now do you want to? Will you? Will you? You can just hear the pleading of this man's heart. Will you really cleanse me? I know you can do it, but will you do it? I feel sure that I'm talking to people today. Now, I don't know who you are. I don't need to know who you are. But I'm sure I'm talking to people today who've, whose lives have been miserable. Sometimes you wish you could end the whole business. You've been insane. You've been discouraged. You're down in the mouth. You feel you've lost. You're lost and lost forever. Let me tell you, as simple as I can, that Jesus Christ has the authority and he has the power and the provision to cleanse you from all sin. Even if you're full of sin, he cleanses you from all sin. And he's not only able to do it, but he's willing to do it. Why don't you do what this man did? He came to Jesus with all his filth, with all his sin. You mean just as I am, shall I come to the Lord with all my sin? Don't you think I better clean up a little bit? Friend, you can't clean up. There's only one way you can be cleansed. We read the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. This man, Jesus Christ, by one sacrifice for sins forever, he appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin. How much? 
all of it. You know that he was manifested to take away our sin. By the way, I'm quoting, I was just quoting 1 John 3, 5. I quoted Hebrews 9, 26 and Hebrews 10, 12. Or take Hebrews 1, 3, when he had by himself purged our sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. The work was finished. I repeat it. He not only has the authority to cleanse, but he wants to cleanse. He's willing to cleanse. My friend, he loves you enough that he wants to cleanse you from all sin and fit you to come in the presence of God without sin. He wants you to know that the question has been already set at the cross. The account is closed. Everyone puts their trust in the Savior. He's the only one who can cleanse. How glad I am when Jesus, this man said, if you want to, Lord, you can make me clean. I know you can do it, but will you do it? And Jesus immediately put forth his hand, touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Then the Lord told him to go down and see the priest and obey Leviticus chapter 14. By the way, Leviticus 14, under the Mosaic economy, and they were to go to the priest and the priest would provide a sacrifice of two birds one was to be slain and the other one was to be sprinkled with the blood of the dead bird and set free in the open field and the priest pronounced him clean ah friend listen the lord jesus christ our sacrifice has been been sacrificed for us and god pronounces us clean you say well do you feel clean that isn't the question god pronounces us clean Brother, that's enough for me. God always means what he says. He pronounces clean. Now go and show yourself to the priest. What for? What a testimony. And having accepted the Savior, you go and tell somebody else what you've done. And you've taken the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The moment you did that, the Lord cleansed you from all sin, forgave you every transgression covered you with his own righteousness and brought you into his family and made you child of the living God. My friend, what more do you want? What more do you want? What more can God do? He's finished the job. All he wants, my friend, is for you to trust in him. Can I close with that little verse again? And I'm quoting the Lord's words in Matthew 11 when he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will. I will give you rest. John chapter 6, he could say, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise, to any consideration, cast him out or cast him away. Oh, sir, he has never turned any sinner down that meant business. Do you mean business? The Lord wants to save you every sin and give you life eternal. Now you trust the Savior today. Pass from death to life. Remember, he not only is able to cleanse you and save you, but he's willing to do that. Why don't you believe him and rejoice today in such a Savior? Sing me a song of heaven, beautiful homeland of peace. Place of beauty, there all my 
my trial shall see. Sing me a song of heaven, beautiful Eden land. Dear ones are waiting for me there on that golden strand, land where no tears are flowing, land where no sorrows come. Sing me a song of that beautiful land, my home, sweet home. Sing me a song of heaven, where I, my loved one, shall see. Those who have gone before me over the bright crystal sea, sing me a song of heaven, beautiful Eden land. Dear ones are waiting for me there on that golden strand, land where no tears are flowing. Land where no sorrows come, sing me a song of that beautiful land, my home, sweet home. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398. Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.